Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a whole new episode of Full Seam Ahead on this marvelous Monday. I'm your host, Zoe, with my guest co-host, Angel. What's up? How's it going? A lot of things going on throughout Major League Baseball, as well as your Houston Astros. Um, we're going to talk about what's been happening this past week with Mr. October's Charity Golf Tournament to the MLB The Show cover has been announced. Lots of things to get into, but let's first, let's start off with Astros Roundup. And we're going to talk about is Mr. October having his annual charity golf tournament. Now, if you don't know who Mr. October is, you know, you're going to have to do some research. That is Mr. Reggie Jackson, former Oakland A, former California Angel, New York Yankee. And he has a great tournament, you know, going to, you know, the money's going to a good foundation. It was established in 1997, was projected to raise over $1 million for STEM programs. It's helping underfunded communities improve their STEM programs, such as schools in the Detroit area, prep schools in California, and even including a university in Georgia Tech, to name a few. But, you know, it's a, it's a great thing for Reggie to do, you know, as a philanthropist. Oh, for sure. And then the likes of Les McCullers Jr. were in attendance, Kyle Tucker, Brantley Pena, Bagwell, um, celebrities such as Bun B, 50 Cent. There's also uh, football legends there. You know, it's great to have them all participating for a good cause. But I want to ask you, who do you think is the worst golf fan of the well, if, Char- if Charles Barkley was there, I think he would be the worst golfer. But I don't think he was there in attendance for the tournament. But if I had to guess, I would say Travis Scott. And, and I would think he would be – I think I he would have that. to have a weird stroke to uh, hit the ball. I can see that. I can see Bagwell like, with his stands wide open <laughs> trying to hit that golf ball. You know, squatting all the way to the grass, trying to swing the ball out. And I'm sure there was some, like, whole wagers there and see who could. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm pretty sure the wagers went to the charity too as well. Sure. I mean, they could have made some side bets too on yeah, the side like sure. Pete Rose does. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was a great overall turnout. Reggie Jackson had a bunch of former, like you were saying, former players, um, players that are with the Astros organization right now, Hall of Famers in baseball and football, and a bunch of celebrities. But the first recipient ever to win the Mr. October Award was your shortstop, Jeremy Pena. I mean, that's kind of cool to win the first, his being the first one to ever win that award. For sure. But um, it was a great turnout. You know, money going to a great cause, and Reggie Jackson's going to continue to be with the Astros and every New Yorker coming down to Houston. But that's all for that part. Dana Brown, lot in the, you know, the new GM, already making moves too as well. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But he was a guest on Sports Talk 790 in the Houston area, and there was questions being asked to him, of course, you know, being the new GM, what moves are you looking to make still in this present time or what's going to happen in the future? Well, First one was being, are the Astros looking at bringing back Yuli Gurriel? And Dana Brown's response was, we have Jose Abreu at first base right now. Yeah, honestly, I don't see a possible a possibility of Lepina coming back. Yes, he is well-loved in the Houston area. But... Yes, I know. I mean, you, you want him to come back so bad. We'll talk about him in a little bit, too, that we saw a report. These guys, I mean, rookie-setting franchise uh, for the strike, strikeouts was Spencer Strider. And then Michael Harris winning the NL Rookie of the Year. He jumped from double A to the majors. I mean, this guy knows what he's doing, and I feel very confident what he's going to be able to do for this franchise. Yeah, I feel like we sound like a broken record, and we're um, we're how, and we're so excited how what Dana brings to the table, and you know, hopefully we get those guys to stay here long term. Um, also, Dusty wants Lapina back for sure. Um, according to John Heyman, Yuli Girl has been seeking three million. Dusty Dusty Baker stumped to get Girl back with the Astros. Though the fit might be tight after they sign Jose Abreu, what do you think about that? 
you know, at $3 million, yeah, I can understand what he's trying to say. If the Astros and him could work out some type of deal, maybe me in the middle with the $1.5 million kind of contract, because I know fans in the Houston area want him, like you were saying. It, it might be hard for him to not be here in Houston. But at the same time, too, if Dusty is asking, you know, Dana and Jim, you know, hey, I want him back. And he's a big, important role in this, in the court that we have with Bregman, Altuve. You know, obviously we got... Correa and Springer gone, but Gurriel was in that part. Everybody forgets that him, Altuve, Correa, and Bregman had made a, uh, I think it was a postseason MLB record in the postseason for like the infielders that were starters for so many games. But I mean, if they could meet in the middle, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Like I said, I think Yuli's going to be in a backup role now. Yeah, you know, he'll sure. probably be some DH. He could play first base as well because he has that gold glove that we've known and we've seen. I, I still think the numbers from last year won't carry on to this coming year for him. See, my thing is like, where do you put him? Like, yes, like you're saying, first base, DH, but then you also got Michael Brandley, you got yeah. Jordan Alvarez that's in the DH as well. Yeah. Michael Bryson's pays some outfield. Then you got you also need a batch for like Hensley as well. Yeah. So it's just like they it's, it's just tough. yeah, it's very tough. And that's the thing that is you know, Dana Brown had mentioned it's you know, we have Jose Bray at first base right now. I mean, and it's just gonna be too difficult to bring Yuli back. Like I said, if they could find a way to put him in, like with the one million or one point five million, then maybe they could bring him back. But like you were mentioning, I mean, you got David Hensley, Mauricio Dubon, of course. Whenever Alvarez needs a break in left field, he'll be the DH. Vice versa with Michael Brantley. Vice versa with Jose Abreu. So it's gonna be, it's a little difficult. But I just don't see the Astros making some type of deal if. Like I said, the only way I think that will happen is if they can meet in the middle with a one million, one point five million. I agree with you. Speaking of our race signing players to this roster that we have, right-handed pitcher Ty Bud resigns with the Astros. According to Chandler Rome, Astros signed former Angels reliever Ty Budry to a minor league deal with an invite to major league camp. And this was an interesting signing. He played in 2018 through 2020 with the Los Angeles Angels, retired after the 2020 MLB season, and came back in 2022 to pitch in the Angels farm system in Triple A, And the stats didn't look really promising. 34 games, uh, had a 0-0 record, 594 ERA, pitched 36 and a third of innings, 38 hits, 24 earned runs, 30 strikeouts, and an opponent's batting average of 270. Um, when you see that number, I mean, that's kind of difficult to kind of judge. Like, why did we get, you know, you could have made a better signing grabbing, a veteran and a left-handed pitcher that we talked about last episode. But maybe this guy has something that people don't see, and maybe Dana Brown's giving him a shot. No, for sure. And I feel like the Astros are known for turning guys around, especially on the pitching side. So maybe they saw something about the RPM, or you know, maybe his curveball moves a lot more than other guys. So, I mean, hopefully we can make it work. Yeah, you know, hopefully we can. If anything that, you know, could happen, the Astros have done it before with Charlie Morin, Garrett Cole, um, Hector Neris. I mean, we've done it with a bunch of pitchers. Moving on, the Athletic MLB staff graded the Astros offseason as a B plus, and that's after, like you said, we signed Ty Buttery, Jose Abreu. We also re-signed Rafael Montero, Michael Bradley, and brought all the coaching staff back. What do you think about that? Um, well, I mean, we did a poll on that B plus, and people agreed with. I think it was fifty six agreed yes, forty something have agreed no. I'm gonna say no. And I'm going to say A- minus actually, because, yes, we did sign Ty Buttery, Jose Bray, you know, all the guys that you mentioned. We even brought the coaching staff back. Everybody returned back. But the biggest thing here, too, is Joe Espada is back. 
this guy, I think, is going to take over the Astros franchise yeah. next year when Dusty Baker. If I, it's going to be interesting too, if Dana Brown's going to be like, okay, here's another year contract, here's another year, because he's been doing that for consecutive yeah. years now, and I don't see the Astros doing that next year for Dusty. Which nothing wrong, Dusty got his ring. I'm so happy for him, but at the same time too, we got to move to the future. No yeah. analytics and everything like that's kicking in. But the reason why I did an A minus as well is because Dana Brown is your GM. We're not going into the season without a general manager. We have a general manager now that knows how to draft. We haven't had something like that since Jeff Luno. Props to James Click and you know the error, the click error that we had. But Jeff Luno knew what he was doing. Dana Brown has done that with the Braves, telling Alex to get this guy, this guy, and this guy. And it's worked out pretty damn well for him. And that's where the Astros are struggling right now is their farm system ranking. I'm, I'm with you on that. And right now, um, the Athletic Keys Law ranked the Astros farm system as 26. Um, our top prospects are Hunter Brown, Drew Gilbert, Yanir Diaz, Pedro Leon, Condon Barber, and then six, Jacob Melton. Um, I feel like at 26, I feel like the Astros farm system is always ranked really, really low compared to others. But I feel mm-hmm. like we just have that tendency to bring up guys that nobody knows. And oh, just, yeah. Like, throwing 90 or, like, hitting bombs. Like, I feel like that's always a good thing for us. And and MLB had put a poll out there, I believe, with the MLB executives and MLB staff writing, like, you know, the top farm systems in MLB. And the other one was being underrated, kind of, like, underlooked. And the Astros had a lot of votes over that in their farm system, mm-hmm. which we have because, I mean, who expected Luis Garcia to come and pitch in a World Series game From already? single A to the major leagues. Exactly. Same thing as Christian Javier coming from double A. I think he had like a little stint in triple A and then doing the same thing. Um, Jose Arquiti as well. I mean, we're just building these athletes up and bringing them in, and they're doing the rest, which, you know, credit to the player development staff to do yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say that. Shout out to those coaches. Sir. Yeah, exactly, because they're the ones prepping these guys to not just get ready for the next step either being in single way high a double a triple a but being able to carry that on more into the major league level yeah like getting them mentally ready yeah like, exactly mentally, like in those high leverage situations you know when everything's on the line they did a really good job yeah and i mean you, they got drew drew gilbert at second right now and drew hurt himself last year with um that scary incident in, in the outfield when he crashed into the wall even jacob melton in the top six and you know who's number seven Corey Lee. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, you know, the, the development that we make of these guys is pretty good. And that's why I said, that's why I give them the A minus rank, uh, you know, the grade, because Dana Brown is a guy that looks, seeks eye for talent. And then if we can't re sign Tucker, I think the reality is that Drew Gilbert steps up in that role. Exactly. And I'm, I mean, that wouldn't be too bad, honestly. That'd be pretty exciting. To yeah, see your well. top six is outfielders: Drew Gilbert, Colin Barber, and Jacob Melton. You got three of the top six top prospects in your farm system Pedro that are Melton outfielders, and El- yeah, and Pedro Leon. I forgot about him, but that I mean, twenty six. I I'm I'm fine with that because we do we don't we really don't have a strong farm system, but we do get overlooked and we not overlooked underlooked. You know, let them continue on. Let them continue just to you know sleep on us. We'll continue to be able to make these players develop the right way. I love being the underdog. Exactly. And I think the future and the long-term success for the Astros is going to go even more higher because you still got Jordan Alvarez that we signed him to like 2028. 20, Kyle Tucker we have for about three more years if they could get an extension. Christian Javier as well. Framber Valdez. Jeremy Pena just played one year in the majors and look how many years we still got him. Yeah. 
So, I mean, the future is still bright for the Astros. I have a question for you. Go ahead. You think if Chaz doesn't live up to the hype, the 2023, do you think we see one of our top prospects come up? I don't think so. I would love to, but I don't think so because Joe Gilbert just was with Fateville, I believe, when he had that injury. Same thing as Colin Barber's band double A. He could maybe have a shot. Jacob Mellon's still getting, you know, developing up into the rankings. When you get into the season, I think you're going to have Jake Myers. You're going to have Drew, uh, not Drew Gilbert. Dubon. Chaz McCormick. Yes, you got Mauricio Dubon as well. David Hensley plays a little bit of left field too. So, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting what they do, but I don't think Drew Gilbert or Jacob Mellon will be there yet. Give them about two or three years, and I will see them in the show. That is all for Astros Roundup. Let's move on to Around the League. And, of course, everybody's been wanting to know who is on the cover of MLB The Show 23. You play a little bit of MLB for sure, The for Show. Sure. For sure. You I remember those college days when we're getting competitive of course, with MLB The Show. Of course. And that's the, you know, that's the heat in the moment when you start playing against one another. Even when you play on Diamond Dynasty online, it, it gets heated. And, and, you know, it's that competitiveness that Her you have. get thrown. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, you have that competitiveness. If you do that on the diamond, of course you're gonna take that onto the onto the game. Just don't throw the control to the TV, though. That's the only thing we say. But your cover athlete of MLB The Show 23 is Miami Marlins center fielder Jazz Chisholm. I mean, that was a great, great athlete for this cover. You've so. had Fernando Tatis, one of the most energetic guys. Um, last year was Shohei Otani with the anime. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And now you got another electrified player in Jazz Chisholm. Being the collector's edition on MLB The Show 23, I thought that would have not been, you know, Derek Jeter. I would have loved to see Albert Pujols instead of Derek Jeter because, I mean, come on now. It's either a Yankee or it's either a Dodger. I mean, it's always something with the East Coast and West Coast. The South never gets no love. Neither does the Midwest and Upper North. For sure. That's your MLB, MLB The Show cover 23 athletes. Veterans on the move now. You have Josh Harrison signing a one-year, $2 million deal with the Phillies. Zach Greinke is re-signing back with the Kansas City Royals. He's on a one-year, 8 to $10 million deal, plus performance bonuses with the Kansas City Royals. I think he's going to end his career right there this coming year. I think him. I know for sure Miguel Cabrera is going to end his last year this year, but I honestly say Zach Greinke is going to be done this year. I think so. And I feel like he feels comfortable in KC as well. Yeah. Because he was he was really optimistic that they were gonna get a deal done over there, mm-hmm. and he was not looking anywhere else to go but KC. To continue, the Red Sox and Marlins make a trade. Barnes was actually designated for assignment last week, but Miami decided to take a chance on him. Barnes, Miami's going to Barnes is going to Miami. Right-handed pitcher Richard Blair is headed to Boston on that deal. Interesting. I mean, Matt Barnes was a huge success in 2018 for the Red Sox, and now, you know, everything's been demolished kind of over there ever since. The only player I believe that they have that's still on that roster is Rafael Devers. It's, cra- it's crazy how quickly they just dissolved that. I mean, just, <laughs> tell, just talk to the Washington Nationals, and they'll tell sure. you too. Also, utility Chad Pinder, an agreement on a minor league contract with the Reds, according to Chad Rome. Dusty and other members advocated a signed Chad Pinder. Pinder had a 297 batting average, 350 slugging, and 588 on base percentage at Minute Maid Park. However, it would limit the team's roster flexibility, is what they were saying. Yeah, I thought this would have been a good move. I think this would have really been a sleeper move, actually, for the Astros to go get him. He's a utility guy. He plays a lot of infield positions. Of course, you got to think about Altuve at the age that he's going to, you know, he's not getting any younger. Jerry Payne is going to have some days that he's going to want to be off. 
because of injury related. Same thing. Alex Bregman played a lot of games last year. And of course we know what Bregman wants to do. He wants to continue to play no matter what. He's just like Maldonado. But Pinder would have been a sleeper, I think. I mean, like you're reading the stats, 295, 355, 88 at Minime Park. That's a crazy slash line to have. But he's been in the AOS a lot with the Oakland Athletics. I mean, it was very difficult not to get that maybe a little minor league deal done. I think he would have benefited from that short porch, seeing it half um, half of his games for sure. Oh, yeah. I think it would have worked out for him too. So speaking of the Astros, former Astro Dexter Fowler. Do you remember Dexter Fowler? Of course. Of course. Retired from baseball, uh, former center fielder for the Rockies, Cubs, Cardinals, Angels, and your Houston Astros. Decided to hang up the cleats and call it a career, a 16-year career for Dexter Fowler. Any Anytime you play in the majors, 10-plus years, that's very crazy and magnificent for them to have a great career like that. But when he was with the Astros, he only played in 2014, and the stat was 276, 375, 399, slash line with 120 hits, 21 doubles, 4 triples, 8 home runs. 35 RBIs and he was there really to mentor Springer because Springer was getting up into that time when the Astros were kind of getting to that success in 2015 and Dexter Fowler was mainly there just to mentor these young guys and be able to prep them up and sure enough I mean he did that and he goes to Chicago in 2016 and wins a World Series with them so I mean what a career for Dexter Fowler congrats on a career on a Excellent career as well. Moving on, Beltron is on the move in New York, not into the Bronx, but into Flushing, Queens. Per John Heyman, Carlos Beltron leaves the Yes broadcast booth and now hired to work in the Mets front office. I mean, his whole career was basically with the New York Mets. He was with KC. He goes to us. He doesn't sign that big contract that the Astros were going to give him. He decides to go to Queens and play a lot of years. I mean, I believe it's plus. I want to say five or six years that he was with the Mets, and of course he had his journey going through Texas, St. Louis, and other teams. But I mean, what do you think of that move? I feel he just loves New York, you know, and I feel it's a great move for them. He has a lot of insight. Could also um, could also bring those international players as well. I feel that's one of the main reasons, big reasons why they got him. So I mean, I think it's good for them. Yeah, I mean, plus he was supposed to be the next coach and the next head coach before this whole Astro chain scandal has happened he was going to be the head coach of the New York Mets but the whole chain scandal had happened all that stuff Beltran decided to resign from the position because he didn't want that insight to just go on the Mets when he just got hired on the Mets are in a good position right now they're gonna I'm pretty sure they're gonna go after Shohei Otani next year and I mean Steve Cohen's not going anywhere time soon I mean this guy's gonna spend all his money as much as he can and I think bringing in a Veteran guy that knows a lot about baseball and Carlos Beltran is a great move for the Mets. Yeah, so moving on, some tragic losses in the baseball world from fans to legendary baseball businessmen. So first, we're going to start with the Guardians. They lost a long-life fan. I mean, the Guardians announced that the passing of longtime Indians slash Guardians fan John Adams, who would attend over 3,000 games. 3,000 games. That's crazy. In his bass drum since 1973 and was the beat for the Indians. Every time you would go to the Indians game or you would listen televised on in any type of Indians or Guardians network, he would, you would hear a drum in the background. That was him being that drum for 50 plus years. I mean, this guy was dedicated to the game of baseball. Of course, that was a big loss for the Indians and Guardians. He was there since the Cleveland uh, County Stadium that they had moved on to Progressive Field. Yeah, and I really hope someone carries on the tradition of 
you know, beating those drums so those drums don't die, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's been a bunch of guys, too, through Major League Baseball with the Cowbell Man in, in New York. I mean, you got a Even lot Oakland. of... Yeah, Oakland as well with the drums. But just dedicated fans just to be able to be there, like, as soon as gates open from one hour to first pitch, not one hour to first pitch, one hour before gates open, that's like four hours, five hours you're at the ballpark for the whole day. Yeah. So, I mean... For having these lifelong dedicated fans to be out there to show these guys support, I mean, it means the world to the players. And then moving on to another loss in the baseball world, Ralph Avila, former Dodgers executive and longtime scout, passes away last Monday. The father of Al Avila, former Tigers executive vice president of baseball operations and general manager. And of course, the great Alex Avila, the former catcher and now MLB network analyst. Dodgers lifetime international scout and an executive passed away at the age of 92 and lived a great life. If you really think about it, for sure. Um, started his career really as a semi baseball player at the country of Cuba, his native land. And then he moved into Florida with the whole uh, Cuban revolution. 1987, the Dodgers developed the first major league baseball Academy in the Dominican Republic. Thanks to the help of Avila without him, the Dodgers want to be the first ones to develop a baseball academy in the DR, same thing as Major League Baseball. Without him, he that I mean, the development from these players that we have now with Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, and all the Dominican players that are on Major League rosters wouldn't have happened without him. Other than that, he established a school that helped disadvantaged children in the DR, assisting the Dominican Summer League and national team. But that school, I mean, that was very important to him because it just wasn't about baseball to him. It was about education, being able to teach these kids what to do if they go into the United States and have a plan, you know, being able to grocery shop, being able to buy clothing, things like that, that you wouldn't normally see in the DR going into the U.S. But that school is called Futero Vivo, meaning living future in English. And I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that the Dodgers lost a guy like this. He was an advisor from 1999 to 2021, 2006. He was MLB International Scout of the Year. So it was a huge loss on the Dodgers part. But of course, I mean, this guy's legacy is going to live on forever for because sure. there is a bunch of baseball academies now in the Dominican Republic. There's a huge load of international players, you know, with the international signs that just happened that past month in December or really in January. I mean, it's, it's just going to continue to live on. Oh, for sure. He lived an amazing life, just like you said. And, and whenever you can do so much good for the game of baseball, you know, you're just like blessed for that. Even Pedro Martinez, uh, how we're talking off air, um, mentioned him in his Hall of Fame speech that he was one of the big reasons why, you know, he like he was able to do what he did. You know, it's just a, you know, it was a great honor to have him be around baseball and so much good that he did for that. Yeah, I mean, he got his brother. His older brother was Ramon Martinez. And there was a picture surfaced on Twitter of Ramon Martinez being the older brother, Pedro, and Pedro on the side next to him. And it was a young Pedro. I mean, he helped. Both Martinez's, Adrian Beltre as well. I mean, this guy did a lot for the DR, and of course, everybody's going to think of, especially Pedro Martinez, what he's done for not just Pedro, but for his family, for his brother, and everything like that. Going back to um, happier news as well, El Toro's getting his number retired. So the Dodgers announced that Fernando Valenzuela will be getting his number 34 retired on August 11th. And the F Fernando Mania weekend that will last August 11th through the 13th. Valenzuela played 11 seasons with Dodgers. He had he was a six-time All-Star, 1981 NL Rookie of the Year and Cy Young, 1981 World Series Champion, 1986 Gold Glove Winner, two-time Silver Slugger, 1981-1983, 1988 
and a no-hitter in 1990. And also, he also has a ballad rating for him called El Toro by some <laughs> Mexican band as well. I mean, he's he's huge. I'm excited for him because, I mean, he's a huge part of the Mexican community. Uh, World Baseball Classic, especially, that's going on. Um, I mean, he's he's been a big part of the Dodgers' success, bringing in fans from, you know, the Latino communities around the area of Los Angeles because Los Angeles is pretty heavy in Latinos. And being able to have a pitcher like Fernando that pitched a great 10 to 11 seasons, like you were saying, with the Dodger organization, having so much success, helped him get that World Series in 1981. I mean, yeah, he had a great career with the Dodgers. I was shocked that I was telling you, and I was, you know, you couldn't believe that they're barely retiring this number. I mean, this number should have been retired for sure. a little longer time ago because he was that big of a superstar in L.A. No, yeah, he would bring sellout crowds to Chavez Ravine for sure. And I think he was like one of the pioneers to bring more Mexican uh, Mexican players to the major league as well. Yeah. Um, he wasn't the first, actually. He was the second. But after, but after Fernando Mania took over, they started scouting more and started bringing more uh, Mexican players in. So it was really great for yeah, them. Yeah, Fernando Mania was crazy. I, I believe ESPN Plus has like a little documentary about him. Um, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's a great, great story in his part growing up in Mexico and then being able to make it into the major leagues with the Dodgers. And, I mean, what a fascinating career for El Toro. Fernando Media, like he said, August 11th to the 13th. It's a good while, you know, since we're in February. It's going to be a good while until they do that. But that's on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 11, 12, and 13. If you're going to be in the L.A. area, I would suggest to go check that out. I think that's pretty cool when you get to see a former player that's meant so much to an organization get their number retired. I think I believe that is it for today. Angel, you have anything else to say? No, thank you all for hearing us out, you know, we do this for y'all. Like we're out here doing exactly. this for the baseball fans. Get you, um, get you some Astros input from our point of views as well. Yeah, exactly. We're just trying to be able to continue to give y'all the best Astros and baseball content overall around the league, like we do around Astros Roundup, World Baseball Classic starting. We've been watching a little bit of the Caribbean series as well. Um, great game going on with the Dominican Republic and Team Venezuela. It's it's a little nail biter right now. It's one zero Dominican in the top of the tenth. Runs our first second with one out, but we, we just try to do the best we can. Continue to follow us on Full Seam Ahead at Twitter and continue to listen to us on podcasts on every you know podcast where you get Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast at. But that is all for today for our show. Have a magnificent Monday. Stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next Monday on a new episode of Full Seam Ahead. Peace.